Hello, it's Fern here, popping in quickly before the show because I really want to hear from you. I'm forever grateful to you every single time you press play on an episode of Happy Place. And this show really is for you. So in the interest of doing more stuff that you love and less of the stuff you're not bothered by, I would love it if you took a couple of minutes to fill out a little survey for me. The link will be in the show notes. Your input on the content and the format and the guests and all those types of things is so important to help me and the Happy Place team shape the future of Happy Place. So just click on the link in the show notes to share all your thoughts and musings. I appreciate you loads. Hello and welcome to Happy Place, where I, Fern Cotton, sit down with artists, experts and people who have just lived life to find out what gets them out of bed in the morning. Today, it's the turn of chart-topping singer-songwriter James Bay. Writing is a different journey full of these like energy highs and lows. And it's its own roller coaster ride. So to be honest, it's quite a distracting, uh, in a really great way, it, it can be quite a distracting thing from touring. It's a wonderful chat about his songwriting process and how this wonderfully humble man deals with the pressure of being a public figure. And this is another live recording of Happy Place, recorded with the help of the brilliant Dice at the gorgeous Troxy in London. From epic arena shows and sweaty exclusive gigs to immersive film screenings and food festivals, yum. Dice is on a mission to help you discover and buy tickets to your next amazing event. Just check them out at Dice FM. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Right, I think we should do the show, eh? Here it is. Here's the show. I'm currently stood side of stage at the Troxy, which is a beautiful venue in East London. And I'm about to record a live podcast episode with a lovely mate of mine, James Bay, such a brilliant musician and has remained just as lovely throughout his whole bonkers career so far. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get the audience in, in a moment. There's a lot of seats out there, so it's quite nerve wracking. And then James and I will have a good old chat. Yeah, congrats on the boots. They are they're good boots, aren't they? Hi, James. Hello. Hello. So these right? people are very nice, I've discovered. Good. I can clarify, they're a lovely bunch. Fantastic. Um, this is lovely. Yeah, it's nice. It's like being, we've got some faux plants and some are they Yeah. Well, it's very nice. Even if they're faux, this is lovely. Are this you well nice. today? I'm good today. Um, <laughs> I, for the first time in what feels like forever... I kind of didn't have anything to do today. Oh, I love that. And I've been thinking, I've been excited about this. 
When you're on stage, normally, I imagine you do feel massively comfortable when you're singing, and that's your comfort zone. How does it feel just to sort of have to talk for an hour? Uh, different, to yeah. say the least. Um, and I suppose there's probably moments... Because I, d- I do feel... I feel comfortable on stage playing music. People ask me if I get really nervous, and I, I tend to not get too nervous. I feel all sorts of... Some nerves and loads of energy... Um, different energy but it's never uh, overwhelming just nervousness but um, like right now in this moment I forget the point I'm trying to make (laughs) and uh, and uh, and I just sort of keep talking I don't know because I I, I mean I'll I'll say this much I like conversation I do like talking to people I just uh, sometimes forget what I'm saying the first time you came on Radio 1 because I've known James since he started doing everything and you don't know when you have a new musician on, like, oh, God, please don't let them be monosyllabic and this to be awful. And you were away. You were chatting. And I was like, yes, to this guy. He's uh, great. I don't know. I, you, you try and sort of grab the moment with both hands and, yeah. and, and make something of it. And uh, it's a lot of sort of talking and it's terrifying. <laughs> um, and I'm just Is trying it because to... you're terrified of what you might say that you don't want to say? Yeah, I guess there's a bit of that. But yeah. I'm just trying to sort of relate it to... At the same time, uh, it's, f- it's kind of... I say it's the third time, and especially in front of an audience, it's the first time. Um, this is a first-time experience. And coming to see you on... This is my point. Coming to see you on radio one that time uh, was very much a first-time experience. Mm. I, you, I think, at that point had very kindly played uh, some of my songs a few times... I picked you up. That was the, uh, that. Yeah, you absolutely did. Yeah. That was the, that was like the and that was the biggest thing kind of in my life. So thanks. And <laughs> if I hadn't said it a hundred times already, <laughs> I, I'll happily say it a hundred times more. It was a big. That was a big moment. It was uh, a great at, moment. But it was also a first time experience, and I and I can overthink. It was a, well. It was a bizarre um, moment for you that year. So this is two thousand and fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd been doing your music thing for a long time before that, obviously, yes. and gigging and, yes. and writing, and it's always been your passion. But then yeah. there's that weird moment where things click over, and then all of a sudden everybody knows either you or your music or what mm. you're writing about. How did you sort of deal with that very quick level of exposure? I don't know. I remember um, a moment, I can't remember if it was the end of 2014 or the beginning, very beginning of 2015. I, I had won the uh, Brits Critics' Choice Award. Uh, which is a wild thing. It's a good one, that. It's a ma- I, 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 You've I got know. a Brit in your house. I know it's bonkers, but um, I I was trying yeah. to uh, I was and I was I just remember two things, which are kind of answers to your question. One way of dealing with it was trying to work out the kind of tone of voice that my that my manager said to me. Things are going to change. A bit, you know, and, and it's, you know, you might get recognized in the supermarket and all these kind of strange things that did follow. And you, I, could, I could hear him trying to be chill about it, but actually he was quite excited by the idea of it too. So I didn't know where to sort of stand. I, I didn't know if I should be even more excited or if I should be even more chill. But you try and, I suppose, just remain level. And then yeah the the day that it was announced and it was put in like the metro paper and it was put in a few newspapers and um my picture was in there and everything when that day came 
I got to the airport at 8 a.m. and I got on a flight for 10 hours. So I didn't actually like get to ex- on the day that it was announced that Critics' Choice thing. I didn't really get to experience it at all, or even try and deal with it with people. I was just mm. sat on a plane to America, just kind little of little celebratory shunts on the plane. Absolutely, yeah. But like, oh. and like four movies and like yeah. kind of you know, I don't know it, it, that kind of, but that kind of uh, diffused it in a way. It was a, it was kind of fluke, I guess. It was a very big moment in my life and. Um, I had to sit in the sky for yeah. 10 hours. But it, it sort of diffused. There's always a bit of luck involved. And that might have been one of the smaller or bigger bits of luck that helped me just kind of chill through the experience of, of receiving this award and having my picture put in all the newspapers and all that, you know. Mm. So. Um, yeah, well, it's a very weird thing to try and sort of digest. And you, um, you have remained exactly the same... As you were then. Congratulations on I'll that. Ta- because I'll some people them. don't. <laughs> and I've met them. Um, <laughs> many. Um, I mean, we, we had a chat the other day. So, you, so yes. James popped round to my house for a cup of tea and we had a bit of a chat about life and all sorts of things. And a really interesting thing that we talked about quite a lot was boundaries. Mm. Because, you know, especially with how the internet works and mm. social media, we're sort of the generation of sharers and we and we talk a lot, which has brilliant benefits. But yeah. obviously then it can be a bit of a free-for-all. And especially if you, you're having a big life change, like, you know, all of a sudden you're a big successful musician that everyone knows. Yeah. At that point, did you have a clear idea of, right, these are my boundaries I'm going to lay down now? I, not a clear idea. I, you, you try and give yourself as much of an idea as possible. Um, I, I will say personally, and I, I know there's a lot of artists, mu- musicians, and, and other, uh, I suppose, people in the public eye who are in the same kind of position as me. But it's even um, like timeline-wise, if it all started to, I suppose, kick off for me in, in 2014 kind of time, the 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 internet and social media, which is such a huge part of. Um, how we can promote ourselves and also how we can just connect with everybody else. Mm. They were at a certain place then. And all of that technology and, and social media moves, in terms of what you can do with it, it moves very fast. I was trying to work out and handle how fast my life, my personal life, um, was suddenly moving because it was becoming a little bit less private and a little bit more, there was this sort of fame thing that was starting to come with, not quite the day-to-day, but almost. And because of how fast um, uh, all of that stuff moves and how involved we both are and a lot of us are in, in social media and the internet and all of that, it's, it was hard. It wasn't, it, that's what I'm saying, it wasn't clear. I couldn't, I couldn't set clear boundaries because, you know, how much do you give over onto, like, the internet? You know? But how do you make that decision now? How do you... Because it's a tricky but one. It's still moving fast, I think yeah. is my point. It's still, it's still moving quick and... Very honestly, I, I feel like I'm muddling my way through. I, was, I think I was even saying, saying to you the other day, um, it's supposed to be, or at least until very recently, that whole world, it's supposed to be about putting the best picture up of yourself and, and, and the best this and the best that. Um, what's actually brilliant is how much more real um, everybody seems to portray themselves now in much more of a kind of real way. So... I felt like I was sort of muddling my way through and I'm getting a, a clearer idea now 
I guess, of how to deal with it and therefore what the boundaries are. Because mm. I personally, I, I, you know, I'm still working out. I ha- I'm quite a private person and I'm, I'm still working out, um, you know, how much I want to share. It's a big deal for me to even be this kind of open and honest about that. I did wonder when I asked you, I thought, because I know you're very private and I think that's fantastic and I really like that. And I did wonder if you would want to put yourself in this space. But the interesting thing is, obviously, when you're songwriting, you have to be incredibly vulnerable to write the songs that you write because you're not writing ephemeral pop music that comes and goes. You're writing stuff that's really connecting with people and is obviously about stuff that you deeply care about. Yeah, it's about real things that I I go through. That's the the way that that I can really write. I'll also say everybody's looking for more of a sense of community um, day to day and that and I'm that's me included obviously but whether you're at school or whether you you know you've been I don't know working in an office for 20 years or, 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 or a different job or whether you do what I do or whether you do what you do I think the sense of boundaries still isn't that clear but in, in a more positive way because I'm looking for community and connection with like like sitting and talking with people like this uh, not in honesty always in front of an audience like but it's nice to do this but um because i feel like i can you know you feel like you can sort of share with everybody else as well and i'm looking for that sense of community all the time so that kind of slams in between that that whole thought process of 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 looking for more community has arrived in between my mindset of uh, i'm quite a private person and my and my mindset of as private as i might be i put a lot of real experience into my songwriting and I give that out to the world. Mm. So in the middle of those two extremes yeah, and is this community you know, you thing that I'm looking for. You don't have to put everything on the internet. I think, especially when you're... I mean, it's, this is not exclusively to people in the public eye, obviously, but I think if you've got social media accounts, people assume, well, you've got to put everything on there and you've right. got to say everything. And, yeah. and I've been challenged on that previously because I'll be very honest in this space and I'll yeah. be very honest in my books. Yeah. But sometimes on social media, it doesn't quite feel like the right place to be like, take a selfie, I feel really depressed today, or whatever it is. It just doesn't feel no. like the place. And I think it's, you know, we forget that there are those choices and the boundaries can be created. And it's important yeah. for you, just aside from what you do in your career, for you as a person who has a private life and, yeah. and whatever, you know, that's, and it's, it's an important boundary to lay down. It is, and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm being more open than I usually am about this talking here with you, but of course there are people out there who want to put a lot up, and that's, that's great, yeah. that's okay, that's absolutely okay. Um, where I am still working out boundaries and all of that is sometimes the more you see people put up there, the more everyone looks at everyone who isn't putting much up there and they go, where's your stuff? Like, where's, where's, where's more from you? Mm. I'm still sort of working out boundaries with that. And, and like I said a minute ago, I am therefore, in all honesty, muddling my way through a bit. Mm. But, like, I'm all right with that. So when you're in songwriting mode, yes. which is a very specific and different sort of zone to be in, and you do then feel like you can put down what is going on in your life or mm. tap into really raw emotions how easy do you find that to not only write that down but then to stand on a stage and sing those songs to lots of people that are listening to the words and perhaps even sort of dissecting them I mean especially when you lay out all of those things it's, Ooh, yeah. uh, it, it reminds me it reminds me that it's not an easy thing mm. it, it reminds me um, just uh, it reminds me as a fan of music and as a fan of songwriting 
what a feat it is uh, in all of my favorite artists when they take everything that you just listed and like smash it out of the park. Like when they when they dig deep and and maybe are dissecting a little bit or a lot of their personal or private life and find a way to kind of poetically or just honestly and directly put it into song and then take that beautiful piece of art that we call a song, stand on a stage and deliver it Mm. and like, you know, just like open up to all these people. I mean, it's not an easy thing, but boy, is it addictive. I bet. It's the, I suppose, because it's, it's a creative outlet. Um, and in all of it, I know myself, because I, I do it, that there's an, there's an element of sharing that is the most exciting part. Mm. The, the going through and doing all those things, as intense as they can be, you know, digging deep and writing, the, writing whatever the lyrics might be and talking about things in, in the song that you're not comfortable talking about to friends, putting that on a stage, like doing all of that, because it's this sort of fantastic, wonderful art form as well, there's something exciting about sharing it, which is strange. I don't know. I still well, like, can't... Because you're combating those hard emotions, maybe those tough, tricky emotions. You're almost, like, facing up to them. Like, hello, I'm going to sing about you right now in front of loads of people. Maybe Absolutely. it's like a catharsis in that way. There must be. And, and I guess, you know, rightly, every creative person has a little or a lot of, like, ego. You know, there's, there has to be some of that. In the same way that, you know, when you go on stage, there has to be some nerves or you don't care. You know, you yeah. don't necessarily care, like, about the event and the thing that you're doing and, and sort of partaking in. So, yeah, I, it's a very difficult thing to do, but it's very addictive because of the experience. And again, funny how it circles back, there is a feeling of a sense of community, yeah. actually, in it and a connection. I mean... Well, of course, because people listen to that song and instantly, they don't even know why maybe at first, and I have this with songs all the time, that you do go, it's speaking to me and I don't know yeah. what it is. And then maybe you listen to the lyrics a bit more and you work it out. And that, that must feel brilliant. And I'm sure you've had lots of people come up to you and say... Oh my gosh, this song has yeah. changed me or something. You have that. I, I experienced that. I experienced this thing where a song almost feels like it's not mine anymore and it kind of belongs to people out there. And, it, and that, that sometimes, sometimes I love that reality. And sometimes I like, I'm, I'm nostalgic and, and, I, and I have this sort of longing for the time when that song was just mine. But then I wake up and realize, no, but I... I want to do this thing where I share it with all these people and hopefully it goes around the world. Mm. So it's, there's all these moving parts. It's constantly, you're constantly um, dealing with quite a long list of strong emotions, like strong Like feelings. which ones? Which ones come up for you the most when you're songwriting? Um, how deep am I going to go? Like, I, I think that's a big one. Uh, am I, am I going to say this about this? Because you have that thing of, if it's relating to a specific person or even, or even a few specific people, it's as simple as the, the, the fear of will they, will they cotton on to this? You know, will, they, will they work it out? And then you go, but, but I need to express this. And then there's this awful guilty feeling that every songwriter has of like, this might make a great song though. <laughs> And I've heard countless songwriters talk about that. And I'm never able to take... When I hear some of my favourite songwriters going, oh, I fell out with somebody and I walked away from it and I realised 
there's going to be a great song in this. <laughs> like when I when I hear my fa- <laughs> it happens all the time. When I when I hear my favorite songwriters, like I, I I go looking for interviews, or I have in the past. I've gone looking for different favorite songwriters of mine who were, who were talking about that, thinking I'm going to find like the answer. There, there's no answer. It's just the mad, like impossible conflict of of kind of art versus I, su- I suppose emotions, mm. um, and. So that's a that's a really big one. Um, also, in a slightly more, I suppose another one that I, another big thing. I don't know. It's not like an issue, or, or it's kind of a feeling that I, that you deal with making songs. Is and this is based on my own personal musical tastes. I want um, I want certain. I guess I want certain types of melodies a lot of the time. Which is a bit, like I say, it's a bit based on taste, but mechanically you are trying to sort of construct things in... Well, I want things that move me. Like, I think... What's more important than the melody or the lyrics for you in that tough, moving that, way? That's, that's tough. The, the, the most important thing is when both of them Work. land in, in a moving way. I, I, you know, I, 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 and sometimes the lyrics might be so great... I'm not exactly talking about myself here. I don't want to big myself up. I'll talk about Chris Martin because he's amazing. Let's talk about someone like Coldplay. Like, some of those lyrics are so... Yellow is one of the perfect examples, but a brilliant Coldplay song with all these phenomenal lyrics in the chorus and then he lands on the word yellow. And you... Like, first time I heard it, wasn't wasn't dead certain what he was on about. But it, mo- but it moved me. Boy, yeah. did it move me. Like, for all of the... In, in, intensely powerful um, emotional things that are said in the song leading up to that you almost need and in my case at least I almost needed to, to, to hear the word yellow and not quite understand it to, to just get a breath like take a breath and kind of be in the moment and the emotion so um, it's a good song it's a brilliant song and as far as what's more important it varies. It just it really varies. Sometimes a, a great melody doesn't need many lyrics, you know, let alone let alone detailed ones. So I don't know. It, it, case by case, it, it sort of changes. Song by song, it changes. Have you ever had anyone come up to you and say, "You know that track three on album one? Was that was that about? <laughs> was that about me?" Um, no, no, I haven't had that. Um. I don't think I've had that. <laughs> Some heavy hints that you've missed from people. Oh, God, yeah. What if I have? I just think, I suppose, you know what? If, you, if you're writing songs about people that you still very much know and are in touch with, personally, I suppose if I, if I dare myself to do it and I go through with it and I put it out, then I, like, run away from the reality that that's who I wrote it about. Yeah. And I Make just kind of go... Yeah, like, the, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Is, well, it, it, that has happened. I don't yeah. know. That, that has happened. So, uh, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> I guess that's the answer. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Now, I texted you something super weird the other day. And I do this quite a lot. I'll, I'll text someone when I'm having a real moment. And, um, mm. and then about five minutes later, I go, oh, that was really weird. <laughs> I really shouldn't have texted that. Because I like, I'm really interested in unusual subject matters. And I just like talking, obviously. And I'd been to a transformational breathing session, which was brilliant, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, um, the lady who did the session with is also going to be in this series of the podcast, Rebecca Dennis. She's amazing. And it's this kind of very weird breathing, and then go tingly, and all sorts of weird things happen. Anyway, at one point, she asked me to make this big, loud noise, just like whatever came out. And... I felt in a really, like, you know, very safe, and I really like Rebecca, and I kind of went for it. And I'd never do, like, even if you asked me to do that now, I'd be mortified and, like, highly embarrassed. Ah. But I really went for it, and it felt incredible. And I'm not a singer. I've never, ever sung on a stage. I can't think of anything worse. But I texted you after yeah. saying, <laughs> this is the weird bit, just did this, I basically texted him all of that, which is, like, really long. <laughs> and then... Um, how amazing it felt to make that really loud noise and I really meant it and there was emotion behind it and I don't even know what but I really let it out and I thought that's what it must feel like to be you I mean <laughs> I will say and then there was the regret like <laughs> 10 minutes later that I'd said that but I think you got it and then... I did I did and like, as a singer and not as a uh, like uh, reading it not as a singer as well I sort of wandered through the text Reading away. It was great. No, 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 no. Like, reading, like, taking Very it in. Very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. No, 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 no. I got... It was great. It was great, because I was... Because I'd just seen you that day, so I was, I was curious That's about... even more embarrassing. I'd no. just seen him, like, brilliant. ten minutes before. I was curious. I was curious as to where it was going. Yeah. And, and, and so, as a singer... I know. I was. I was, too. As a singer, uh, and, and, you know, um, hearing it from somebody who doesn't sing all the time... Oh, it was, it was like the coolest thing in the world. Because so what, to be, what is that feeling? Like, can you be inhibition-free? Can you stand in front of a crowd like this and feel so connected to your audience, because that's important, but inhibition-free to just go with what feels great? Yes. Wow. Uh, but, and there's always a but, Yeah. Um, kind of within reason... And that reason might be like in your case, you felt very comfortable with your friend. Yeah. In that, was there other people there? Or was it just no. you? Right. <laughs> and I wasn't actually sure of this, but I, I, I loved, I loved receiving the text, and, and um, you, you were bang on. Like to be honest, yes, like that really is. Wow. Um, what it's like, um, and I can kind of, I can do it inhibition free, but within reason. Like you did it, kind of inhibition free. Yeah. But within reason of the fact there was nobody else there. Yeah. And I, I suppose I, I can do it within reason of like important things like it being in the right key. In my right. case, I, I did not have that problem. You didn't have day. to. You didn't have, You know, as long as she wasn't accompanying was no on key. piano. No. You know I mean? <laughs> no. Um, so like I, you know, I got, I'm trying. I'm not doing. Mine isn't so sort of free form. My my music that it's like you can sing in whatever key. But so I got things like that, and that's almost slightly sort of boring technical stuff. But like really. It's absolutely that wow. that that feeling. And can you sort of then, in that case, almost move on or rid yourself from certain situations or tricky emotions by singing, like get it, getting it out of you? For me, thinking about it, it's as much about the singing as the whole performance. 
without digressing too much, but I watched this brilliant documentary about Robin Williams. Have you seen this documentary? Yeah. Phenomenal actor, phenomenal comedian. And you, as a performer, I connected with the bit that keeps coming back throughout uh, most of his career that's covered in this documentary, where you, you'd see him in the dressing room after the gig, just like on the sofa, like in pieces almost, like covered in sweat. And somebody said it, but you kind of put it together yourself as you're watching him as well. He leaves it all on the stage. Mm. He really does, like, I think, very inhibition-free. Yeah. He really did uh, leave it all on the stage. And um, so that's, that's kind of a big part of it for me. And I, to some people, uh, in my case, that goes sometimes uh, slightly against how, I suppose, down-tempo a lot of my music is but you can put so much into very kind of it doesn't really matter like whether it's down high energy low energy whatever you know uh, I, I suppose I need what I find I need to do is pretty much try and leave it all on the stage every time I, I perform you know sometimes I'll speak to my managers halfway through a tour and they'll say how you doing you sound a little bit hoarse and I'll be like well we had to like cross the Canadian border at 4am mm. it wasn't the best night's sleep that's something you have to do in touring it's very boring it ain't all great, but most of it is. Um, managers, I love them, but they will sometimes almost rightfully sort of say to their artist, once in a while, just give it 95% instead of 100. Take care of yourself, because you need to do the next gig as well. And I mean, if, if, if people want to come and see your shows and they're buying all the tickets to the shows, a 95% gig once in a while might be all right. And I've just found that I can't do that. No. And I have to sort of do the Robin Williams yeah. and do 110. And I know the vast majority of other artists do exactly the same. And I think as performers in that respect, that's, that's what it is. So if I'm doing that, then I, I, I get that whole feeling that you got um, in that, uh, somebody who's not a singer, in that moment when you kind of let out like that. Yeah. Oh, it's very emotional. I bet. And, and a brilliant feeling. You know, it's such a quick transition between being on stage and, and making lovely noises and and connecting and feeling all those great feelings to then you literally walk off the stage and then you are, you know, you're out of it. You're back to normal life. How do you sort of integrate back into normality and not sort of stay in that very heady space that I guess you have to kind of be in on stage? I'm not really sure. And I don't, I don't know if I want to work that out because I, at the moment I'm not really sure, like I've said, and God, if I work it out, I might go on stage differently next time. Right. I don't really want to do that. Let's not talk about it, is what you're saying <laughs> to me there. Can you not ask that question? It's very, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've been asked... Because people, you know, people will drink. They will go out and get hammered because they yeah. want to stay on that high or whatever, but you're not that person. You are no, very I, dedicated to what you do, and that's not your style. I, I, and, and I get, yeah, I feel some sort of mad energy high being on stage yeah. in all the low moments and all the high moments of the set in all the slow moments and all the fast moments and like it's, it's, it's bizarre sometimes in the middle of a tour the moments off stage you know I'm very lucky to get to do what I do but they can be a bit bleak when you're sort of in the middle of the nowhere travelling from A to B or you know just one place to the next and, and, and the best thing in the world is that 90 minutes on stage and I don't really want to question anything about it I want to I want to try and exist in that 90 minute bubble in the same in the same way as long as I I mean I want to keep improving it and changing it and sort of evolving it over time as I go forward I hope I get to do this forever but yeah I don't want to question it I don't want to sort of test it 
I'm, I'm not sure how, how I kind of manage. Like, can you sleep after you've come off stage like that? I need a few. I need a good few hours. Yeah. Like, I, I do need time. That's a, that, again, that reminded me when I saw that, like, that Robin Williams thing. You know, he's, he's kind of like heavy breathing and just sort of coming down gradually, but yeah. he still has quite a lot of energy. Um, there's a lot of adrenaline and endorphins kind of rushing through. And um, I don't really want it to be any different. Yeah. You know, it, is, it is a roller coaster ride, even that bit. Even that, and in, in the even if you're doing it in the cleanest possible way, yeah, it is a total sort of uh, energy uh, endorphin like roller coaster ride. But like, I think it's supposed to be that, yeah. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. And so, how do you do? You massively miss it, like when you're in writing mode and you're not gigging at all. How do you deal without having that outlet? Because it seems very important to you. I had so I had this. Um, I I've been doing a lot of writing recently. I am like all musicians are, are getting into the flow of uh, and the reality of um, having to there seems to be this real appetite for like more music more of the time mm. um, rather than like an album every 18 months or two years or whatever or three years um, and I've been checking that out since about September October time last year in 2018 so I stopped touring at that time and I started touring again uh, end of February beginning of March this year so that was nearly six months of not actually getting up and doing any shows anywhere. Uh, and because I was writing, I was doing all of this writing. And um, it's very difficult and hard, and I missed playing on stage a lot. And I, I did, like, one four-song Christmas show in December um, for a friend. Uh, it was a charity event. Played that. It was just me and an acoustic guitar. And for me, it was like Wembley. <laughs> I just... Because I, I, it might as well have been. And I was just... I was sort of giving the, the biggest sort of performance I could because I'd missed it. But... Um, when you say how do you deal with it in the time when you're sort of writing and not performing as much, it's writing is a different journey full of these like energy highs and lows and it's its own roller coaster ride. So to be honest, it's quite a distracting, uh, in a really great way, it, it can be quite a distracting thing from touring. If I've really got my head in the studio yeah. and, and, and writing and, 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 you know, scribbling in books all the time and thinking up words and lyrics and lines and titles and, and rhymes and, and, you know, melodies. It's a wonderful, brilliant period. Um, and you, you almost sometimes, you're like, no, no, I'm not quite ready to jump up back on stage and, 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 and play again. I, I still need to complete all this new music and get it ready to take to the stage. At least that's how it's been in the past, but this is why I said the other thing I just said. Uh, now... It seems to be more than ever, or more than ever in my few years of doing this and in recent times, it's about when are you next playing, when are you next playing, when are you next playing, and when are you next releasing a song, and when are you next playing, and when are you next releasing a song, and when are you next releasing a song. And when you, it's everything all the time. It, that's, the, the appetite is there. But how do you, I, I imagine you're not the sort of person that would be on board with that. I mean, it didn't used to be like that right. in the music industry, obviously, and now it's... It's the same out. It's everything in life, isn't it? More everything and quicker. Yeah. And actually, is that better? I don't think it is. I'm at definitely at a point in my life where I'm really enjoying less and simplicity and like the basic stuff. And I don't want more of loads of stuff all the time. I really want like fewer experiences and things, but a really like lovely quality of and it's yeah. the same with so how do you I can relate buck like, against that I can relate to that in a big way I, I, and I am similar to you in that respect and, and there's a lot of people like that as you know and as I know and there's a lot of people that aren't like that and that's alright yeah a lot of those people uh, you know 
put me in the very fortunate situation and of course. A position of being able to be a musician for my job. So I have to work it out. Mm. I would imagine that most musicians come to a place where they have to slightly battle with either... I guess there's not two clear-cut routes, but there's a sort of battle between beautiful, like, pure music and the essence of what you want to do versus numbers, sales, frequency of songs, whatever. And I guess you just want to be over here doing the creative bit, but you do get dragged into that side yeah, of it. Yeah, so you have to be careful with that bit, that other bit that you get dragged into, the numbersy bit. But it, to some extent, that, that m- matters to all musicians. To some extent, I'm trying to keep that extent very small. Um, so I can exist on the other side where all the just the creativity is and, and everything and where all of the waiting is the, yeah. the, and by waiting I mean where all of the waiting and working for the best 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 stuff you can do is. don't you think waiting's really underrated you know everyone's like oh I've got to wait for this wait for that yeah. isn't that the best bit like wh- the waiting well, bit I mean, it's a good bit I was just we always a, rush through that bit I, I agree I do agree with you and, I, and I've said to all sorts of different people I've had this conversation with all sorts of different people over the years and I still have it um, and it, this, this definitely I think this seems to really apply to creativity I think it actually probably I'm not a parent at this point but um, I, I'm sure it really applies to kids and growing up and I was saying um, to Maisie actually just before coming out because um, she's been a bit busy of late. Uh, you don't say. But I, I, I was saying, I was, she's a wonderful creative person, uh, and, and I was saying with her, like I've said, to so, having the same conversation with so many other creative types at least, that idle time, and this isn't the nicest way to put it, but kind of just staring into space for an afternoon. It's good. It can be pretty healthy. It's good to and, do and it. And it can fuel some really important stuff. We've got bad at doing it, like culturally. We've got really bad yeah, at we doing have. nothing. Like, I'm absolutely as guilty as anyone else. I think I've got to do all the time. But it's important to be. And I just remember um, even, even... I mean, there might be some of my earlier memories as a little kid. The moments, the, the little blissful moments in between other things where whatever those other things were where I was just sort of staring out the window yeah. might have had, I might have been six years old and had a song on on my little record CD player in my room just like loving a, an album or a song and just sort of staring out the window or I don't know staring at the floor I was just I know that sounds a little ridiculous no but we like, need to do more staring at the floor I think maybe, we do need to do that maybe like, absolutely uh, because I, well I suppose here look so I, I wasn't just staring at the floor I personally I would have had some music on. I listened to radio a lot when I was a kid and I would have been daydreaming about what I was listening to. But I would have been daydreaming. But daydreaming, we've forgotten how to daydream. I used to be a massive daydreamer and I'm awful at it now and I yeah, used to love it. We're trying to snap ourselves out of that stuff all the time. When you, you, there's, and I, and I, so I'm talking about a time when I was six or seven years old and I was very much at, at the beginnings of growing up. And um, I guess probably quite lucky to have those few minutes to, to do that. But at the same time, I know with all love and respect to my parents, they were... Like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you could be doing this, you could be doing that. Sometimes they were probably even saying to me, you could be outside playing. And I played outside a lot when I was a kid, but I might have just been having five minutes to stare at the floor and daydream. That's great. Anyway, I'd be like, what's up? I'm daydreaming that I'm at Cam with Leo DiCaprio. Get over go. it. There That's what go. I'm doing. That's what I was doing, for sure. So, and... Like I was telling you at the start of when we started talking, I've completely forgotten the point of all of this. Who cares? What the point but, 
It feels important regardless. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm all about making that point about idle time. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's important. Uh, I, I do. I, I massively do. How do you stop yourself in today's bizarre culture where we seemingly think we know everything about everyone? Um, how do you stop yourself from looking in other lanes and going, oh, blah, blah's doing this. Why am I not doing that? Blah, blah's doing that. Should I do that? Because we all do it, no matter what job we have or don't have or life circumstance. You know, we're all looking usually on social media and we think we know what everyone else is doing. How do you stop yourself from doing that? I know how I can stop it. And unfortunately, that doesn't mean that I always do. But I, um, it's an interesting one. I can stop it by picking up an instrument or calling a mate. Not texting a mate. Yeah. Calling a mate. Just not me. No, hang on. I came round. <laughs> okay. We spent human time together we talking did. to each other. It's much better. You know, we can text. I'm not, dis- I'm not saying we can't. I know that I can stop it by trying to write another song. And the interesting thing about that or, or, or um, anything that you can do to stop it is um, they're not, you're not always that interested in... I mean, I spend my life listening to or doing or making music and I need breaks from it at times. I would actually, personally, I play football once a week. I'd love for it to be like three, four times a week because it absolutely removes me yeah. from certainly looking in other lanes but, but from like work worries or whatever. So I guess I could stop it by having more things like that. And there are more things I need to try. But then it flips back because looking in other lanes can be a bit addictive at times. Yeah, you don't say. So it's a, t- it's a tough one. Um, do you let it ever impact you and, and do you let it inform your decision making? Do I let it inform my decision making? I, I, ho- I, I hope have. not. I have. I, sh- I for sure have. I mean, I'd like to say I don't normally, but I, I think I have in the past. I think... It's quite. It's hard not to, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I'm actually I, in the last couple of days. I've been going through one. Um, I've been I've been looking in a different lane and wondering if it's going to inform my decision making. Quite literally, uh, and so I do. Yes, from time to time, I, th- I think I do. Um, and I just my foot. My initial answer was, "Oh, I hope not," because the idea of even admitting it is like horrendous. Yeah, but we all do it. Of like, course, we, we do. do. Yeah, and it, you know, we all want to work more from our gut. We all want to go with our intuition or whatever that initial feeling is but it is hard isn't it to it go is hard. stick with that it is hard to stick with it because looking in other lanes can be a sort of mildly addictive thing and then you might have this is i guess a bit of a reference to what i do and not necessarily to what everybody's doing but like there's those people talking about numbers yeah you know they come knocking and they say see what's going on in these other lanes mm. you know that you have you have that going on mm. um i always imagine um because I've, you know, obviously interviewed a lot of musicians and and met a lot of musicians, and I and I always imagine that for females in the industry, it's there's a lot of pressure that you should look a certain way, you should present yourself in a certain way. This is what you should, you know, sing about, even whatever. Do you think that's, you know, weighted more heavily on females, or do you think that you know male musicians also experience that sort of pressure of how you should appear? I think um, it's weighted more heavily on females, and I think it, it always has been. And uh, although it, in ways, it's it's weighted on males in ways, I think um, the bigger issue is that it's always been weighted hev- heavier yeah. on on females. So 
Um, and, I, and I think in entertainment, in pop music, in TV, it's so, it's, it's always, I mean, TV's always been about what things look like. Music, to some degree, always has been. Music has always influenced fashion. Fashion has always influenced music. Um, and more than ever, yeah. you know, uh, because of social media, it, it's all, all of that stuff is more extreme. Um, I, you know, I can tell you that as far as, like, designing, set designing for tours, like, designing what your sort of lighting and everything's going to look like, and I know uh, particularly for artists on, like, uh, either arenas or bigger stages, they are thinking, and this isn't so much about personal appearance, although I think in ways it, it will be, but they're even thinking you've got to fit it in that Instagram square. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, they're not, uh, or I suppose it's not even a square. This set better. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, I um, want the big screen in the shot. If any of you are taking pictures, I want the whole shebang in. But, but this is, but, but, but you know and I know and everybody in here knows that the point of this gathering is about what we're saying. But it's all right if you want to stick it on Instagram. You know, isn't it? Can I say that? Yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah? Right. You want to promote the series? Just Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. I felt like I was just taking and walking away. happy place. Go yeah, for yeah. it. Do you think... So that's, um, yeah, I think, I think that's... Uh, it's, it's, very, um, it's very much about the visual. And I, I, I think, unfortunately, uh, so much is affected negatively for that. Yeah. Sometimes not, but, like, you know, it, it, it blurs, it sort of skews the, the objective sometimes. Mm. Um, for worse, actually, quite, quite a lot of the time. Sometimes for the better, but it's hard to find those examples. Yeah. Is that... Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Um, and... I like the fact that you're just saying there that to mitigate that um, temptation to look in other lanes, mm. you've got some nice, simple things again, like playing football. Mm. What, what other things in your life do you, are non-negotiable that you have to have in your life that just keep things normal? Because, you know, like I said, you haven't changed since <laughs> I first met you. So what, what are those things that just keep you grounded and carrying on with your life as normal? Good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, the, uh, um, the people around me, very important. Yeah, the people around me. My my girlfriend, my brother lives around the corner, um, which is convenient. He doesn't have to live around the corner for me, but that's not a requirement. I didn't put him there. Um, but I grew up. We, for what it's worth, me and my brother Alex are about only about. He's only about eighteen months older than me, and we grew up extremely close. Um, it's really, really simple things like being in touch with my parents. Yeah. Even family as close as that, you see people drift apart from. And um, I've always been quite independent, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm glad at 28 that I don't live with my parents. Not everybody's in that situation, but I, personally, um, it's what I need, and uh, I'm glad I can do that. And um, Although, you know, I might go on tour and, like, not speak to them for a few weeks. Uh, that's so, like, we have a nice relationship in that respect, and we know that at some point we'll get in touch. And it's, so it's very, very simple things like that. It's things like uh, painting, and, and I say painting and, and, and drawing as well because it's another creative outlet. Mm. Um, I'd like to say that I'm a great footballer and it's a creative outlet for me, <laughs> but I'm not that good. Um, you are, Rodney. I thought you were pretty good. I like to think I am. But... Uh, I'm trying to hold on to at least that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, but it's, so it's for you, it's having that outlet to be able to express what you're feeling I'm in an exterior way. Yeah, 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 definitely. To, uh, because I suppose I'm, I, I am in, in some respects a competitive person. I like to test myself. Football might do that in one way. Painting and drawing, which I, is the one creative thing I've had longer than music. Uh, I started getting into playing music from the age of 11, but from the age of I don't even remember. I was drawing and painting and... As a slightly competitive person and a bit of a performer since I was like born, I, I've always painted and drawn, or at least when I was a kid, to show people and go, you know, how am I doing? Mm. What do you think? So, but these are really simple things that um, have been with me kind of forever. And uh, so it's, it's those things. I don't, I don't know if that's the most fascinating answer. But no, I think that that's an important answer because um, people always assume, especially when you're successful, that you're going to say, oh, the fact that I've got a really nice car you know, makes me feel really good. And it's never that stuff. It's, it's funny, the, yeah. the simple, simple stuff that makes when, you feel good. When you ask a question as well, that, that I thought to myself, I'm not a cars person. For what it's worth, I don't know anything about cars. I think like... The best I can tell you is that James Bond's car always looked pretty nice. Yeah. But that's like all I really... And the same I, level of car but, knowledge. But there was a point in my life in the last few years where I was able to, if I wanted to, get a pretty nice car. And I was never interested enough in cars to get them. And so it's not... Yeah, I just... I, I've known lots of people sort of go that route. That's okay. But it's funny you brought that up because I realised I can't even say cars. No. <laughs> it's not there. Um, you were saying there about how even when you were small and you would draw and you would want a, a positive reaction yeah. and I can massively relate to that and I do sometimes think to myself why do I want people to say you did well because shouldn't it be enough that I just know I did my best and I'm I think at this age now just working that out that if I felt something not even was good but connected or had it. a positive impact it, but we still like this that ego bit that wants someone to go oh you did good there do you know what I mean like yeah, we do sort of want that you do want that and I, I, how do you not t- what what I the thing where it tips it because everyone has that but the bit where it tips into it being um destructive is taking too much notice of the real praise or the real negative which again this is not exclusive to people who are in the public eye everyone on social media now has um the ability to say anything like to anyone Mm. and we're all trying to deal with people saying things about us and making assumptions good and bad Mm. how do you not take either end too seriously that's a good question because I, I was uh, I was thinking about how when even when I was a kid I wasn't always trying to get um, a good reaction uh, and this is I was just trying to get any kind of reaction uh, and that's because like I didn't always just want some I, I, I didn't always just want someone to say that's really good well done sometimes I remember wanting people to tell me what I could do better it's just because I was competitive with myself and I wanted to I guess I from probably a slightly unhealthily young age, I had these like standards of how good I wanted to be and how good other people were and what, where, where I needed to get to and all of that. And you were asking, how do I kind of stay centred when you can, there's lots of people in, 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 on one side of a room going, it's all brilliant, and there's lots of people on another side of the room who might be going, it's terrible, it's all terrible. Um, I suppose, because what I do is creative, like do it for the love of doing it not for the love of any reaction. Which, I have a strange sort of mind where there's a part of my brain, even when I say that, I'm kind of going, but the point of doing it is to hopefully move some people. And I can't give an okay 
to this potential reality that I could just do it to maybe try and move myself. Because that feels, I, I, I go, ooh, isn't that like egotistical? That I might one day write a song and go, ooh, that really moves me and I wrote it. How wonderful. <laughs> ooh. Hey, that's lovely. That's a tough one, though. I haven't, I haven't cracked that yet. Like, I'm still... So, so yeah, I, I, I suppose the answer is just do it for the love of it. What's funny is I could say that to somebody else. I could say, make sure you're doing it for the love of just doing it. But I'm at a point lately where... There's so much noise on the left and the right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so much positive noise and so much negative noise that it's easy to forget that there's the option to just do something for the love of it. Yeah. Like there should be the option to have a bit of idle time and daydreaming. And I love that. You have to remind yourself. I love that. I think that's a jolly nice notion to end on for our chat, James Bay. Um, a joy talking to you, as I expected. Thank you so much for being part of this beautiful evening with our Thank you wonderful for having audience. Me. Thank you. Thank you to the beautiful presence of Mr. James Bay. He's just such a lovely, lovely bloke and I so enjoyed that chat. Such a fascinating person and also just a great example of how to cope when you're under pressure. Next week, we meet comedian turned psychotherapist Ruby Wax. I get addicted too because we all need a hit and I they've taken drugs for me and I can't drink anymore so at least like let me buy a few cushions at two in the morning <laughs> it's all that's left for me you know oh I love chatting to Ruby hear the episode as soon as it drops when you subscribe for free and don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts leaving us a review helps us reach more like-minded souls like your good self a massive thanks today to James Bay. Thanks to Dice for organising the night. Thanks to our producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. The beautiful audience who sat so patiently watching Happy Place Live. And to you, lovely lot, for listening. I'll see you next time. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.